I am the Empire, episode 347. When somebody's the president of the United States, the authority is total. The authority is total. The authority is total. But we have to pass the bill so that you can uh, find out what is in it. Find out what is in it. In an empire lies, the truth is treason. The truth is treason. We must guard against the acquisition of unwarranted influence, whether sought or unsought, by the military-industrial complex. By the military-industrial complex. I don't know about you, but I am always dealing with these clueless people on the internet and in my daily life, and I was looking to learn how to defend libertarianism, and if you're in that same position, you want to learn how to defend libertarianism, advocate for a free market, and win any political or economic debate, then you need to join Liberty Classroom. That's Tom Wood's Liberty Classroom, and you could do that by going to iontheempire.com slash liberty. If you do that, you'll be able to earn the equivalent of a PhD in libertarian thought and free market economics online for just 24 cents a day. That's amazing. Once again, go to iontheempire.com slash liberty. Hey, what's up, everybody? Ray here, your host of I on the Empire, the former show, which was called I on 2020, and I'm back. Second week doing the show again, and appreciate those that continue to listen to the show. Appreciate those that stuck by me uh, and came back and started listening after this little bit of a break that I took. I'm going to keep the show very similar to the way it was last year uh, before we were covering the politics of the 2020 election, but now we're going to cover the politics of the day and what's going on in Washington, D.C., where the headquarters of... uh, of the U.S. government is, and I always, I, I kind of jokingly, and I know a lot of people do this as well in the libertarian movement, uh, jokingly call it an empire just because of the fact that we, as a nation, have, you know, things, are, you know, military presence all over the world, and we have a lot of influence in the world, and in that sense, you could almost call it an empire, but obviously, we're in the United States. Um, should be happy to be here, obviously, just because we do have a lot of freedoms, uh, there, and, but my goal is to make you guys aware of the loss of freedoms that we have, and over time, <clears throat> those freedoms will be withered away, and we're seeing those lately a lot, especially with uh, with what's going on with the COVID-19 and the lockdowns and the things of that nature that are going on, and it just uh, makes me realize that I do need to keep the show going and talking about the loss of those freedoms. That's why we call it I on the Empire, okay? Because we're keeping an eye on those people in Washington, D.C., who are trying to take your liberty and take your freedom and, and have control. Control over your state, control over your local municipalities, control over your school districts, control over your children who might be turning 18, who one day might have to go to war through a draft or whatever, or maybe they volunteer to join the military, you know? But still... If your kids are volunteering to join the military, yes, they're willing to lay their lives down for the United States of America, but you would rather them not be in a war, obviously. So, um, 
So that's good. But anyway, guys, what I wanted to talk about today, a couple different topics, but I'm going to start with this one because I was out for a walk and I was just thinking about it. And uh, working from home and everything, and a lot of people are working from home, and I just noticed that in my neighborhood. Maybe in your state or in your city or wherever you're at, things are just kind of back to normal, per se. I know in Florida, there's not a lot of lockdowns. In South Carolina, we don't have a lot of lockdowns. either. There's not a lot of restrictions on us in South Carolina in general. Um, schools are still a little bit off. You know, you still see people wearing masks around. Most people wear masks around. The stores are requiring it and things of that nature. But the question I have, because they always talked about, the back in April and May, you talked about the new normal. And this is the new normal being locked down, being stuck in a state of, you know, where you're at home, you might be out of work, things of that nature. This is the new normal. So they're calling. I was just wondering, is the new normal now just the normal? Because after 11 months of this, 10 months, oh yeah, almost 11 months now, because it's almost February. And this all started about March 15th or so, when everyone started freaking out. It was actually, we had a a uh, St. Patrick's Day party on, I think it was the couple days before St. Patrick's Day, because St. Patrick's Day, I believe, was on a Tuesday, and that's always the 17th of March. So maybe we had it on the 14th, and on the 16th, I remember on that Monday, they canceled school for my kids, and the kids didn't go back to school again until about October. And I was just wondering, you know, is the new normal now just the normal? Because, and the reason why I say that is because over time, if the routine that you've always had is going out to eat two or three times a week, going out to lunch three or four times a week, going to work at your normal job five days a week, doing your normal thing, if that was your normal a year ago, And then it's changed since then, and you've gotten into these new routines. Like for me, I I stay at home for work. I go out a little bit here and there. My wife, same thing. She goes out for work some, but her daily routine is wearing a mask all day long in in her normal job. And my job, if I go anywhere, I'm wearing a mask. And that seems like the norm. You walk in, I'm carrying a mask in my hand, and I throw it on right as I walk through the door, and I go. But for you guys that are in like a state, maybe like California, where the new normal is being locked down, not going out to restaurants at all. If you do, you get to go to a restaurant that's outside, and sometimes it's not even that. Just this change that's constantly happening with these new requirements and these regulations and these demands from the governor... If you're in New York City, has your new normal become the normal? And is it ever going to get back to the old normal? I don't know. I hope it does. I just think from an economic standpoint, and I'm looking at a lot of the numbers, like we are printing money so much with all of the different handouts, the $1,200 checks, the $2,000 checks, the 
printing money to give to businesses that they'll pay their people on their payroll even though they're not working. And then these companies are in, you know, like, this is just money that's being printed out of thin air. Hopefully that money is forgiven. You know, those loans or whatever are forgiven. Those PPE loans are forgiven. But if you don't dot every I and cross every T, most likely that's not going to happen. And if you use, if, if you do the, if they come in and audit you on it and you use less than a certain percentage for payroll and so forth and they're going to charge you back on it and you just think to yourself they're printing so much money and now with biden wanting to print another two trillion dollars have another 1.9 trillion dollar spending bill to go through and you think to yourself all this money is being printed and whenever they print money whenever there's inflation it destroys savings that's the thing and you'll see it in inflation and they say oh well no there's not been inflation and that's a good thing there's not there has not been inflation that's a good thing because the older retirees the baby boomer generation who has saved their entire lives and now they're not in equities but they're just you know in cash savings but also in bonds and lower risk assets and stuff in order to protect themselves those people if you have three percent inflation and that million dollars that they saved that $500,000 that they saved is worth 3% less this year, and then 3% less the next year, so in total 6%, then 3% the next year after that, so in total 9%, and after 10 years, you've lost 40, 50%, you know, 30, 40, 50% of your income just to inflation, depending upon how much inflation there is. And normal inflation is 2%, and that's the... I guess the Fed's goal. So these people are destroying people's savings by doing all this. That's the new normal, guys. That's the new normal. But the reason why I say that is because we're going to be poorer because of that. If you have people that are saving money their entire lives and then their money is wiped out through inflation, let's say over the next 5, 10 years, they lose 50% of their value of of their money then those people are losing that savings over time. Their money's worth less and less and less. But what if we get into a hyperinflation mode where that person loses 200%, you know, or or not 200%, sorry, if they they lost 80% of the value of their money over time, or 100%, no, not 100%, you can't lose 100% of it, but what if that dollar becomes worth way less. A million dollars has the equivalent of purchasing power of a hundred grand. Then within a couple of years, that person's living in poverty off of a social security check that didn't keep up with inflation. So we have some challenges to look at ahead if the government keeps printing money the way it is. And they're going to keep printing money the way that they do. The reason why they're going to keep printing money is because it is beneficial to the politician to promise more and deliver more And why is it beneficial? Because they're, quote-unquote, helping their constituents. They are looking out for the little guy. Most people, with their hands out, they don't put their hand down. After they get a little bit, they want more. And the politician's willing to give it because it's... The the benefits to them is that they get reelected on those promises... It's like a self-licking ice cream cone. 
you give the people some, then you give them more, and then you get elected, and then you give them more, then you get elected, then you give them more. And you keep promising, promising, promising. Even though, over the long run, that is not a good system to live under. The government can't just print money. I mean, they can print money, but there's there's negative consequences to that. So I'm going to get off of that subject. I just want to let you guys know that the new normal is now the normal. And it's really strange. Now, South Carolina is a little different. Florida is a little different. But in some of those states, I would love to hear about your normal. Your new normal, which has become normal, you know? It's absolutely insane. Absolutely insane. Something that's worrying me as well over the last couple days and about the last week, actually since, you know, the January 6th, so uprising or, you know, whatever they're calling it, like, there's been a lot of talk about a a war on domestic terror. This war that the politicians now want to wage on domestic terror, and they're saying that they need it to be like the war on terror. And that scares me because the war on terror has led our government to expand the definition of the war on terror from the very beginning. And all government policy expands over time. They're looking for new ways to influence. They're looking for new ways to spend money. They're looking for ways to expand its role. That's what the government does in almost every situation. And if, like, for example, take the war on terror, the initial war on terror, it was, we're going to, we have an authorization for the use of force in Afghanistan. And they go after bin Laden, Osama bin Laden. But then they say to the Afghan government, the Taliban, listen, you need to turn him over. Then they went, when they're finally willing to turn him over, they say, nope, you, you dragged your feet too long. We're in, then they ended up invading the country. So now we have overthrow of a government. So now the war on terror is not just go after Osama bin Laden and some terrorists, a couple hundred terrorists that are in Afghanistan, and maybe set up the CIA to, you know, look for terrorists and, you know, locate where they are and maybe be a little bit preemptive, like a little bit of that stuff? No. Now you have an entire country taken over and 18, or excuse me, 19 years later, almost 20 years later now, we're still there. They've used the war on terror, this authorization of use of force to go into Iraq, Libya, Yemen, Sudan, Syria, Pakistan, uh, every any country that they want to, they're going to use that authorization for the use of force. So the war on terror has been expanded beyond the initial intention. The war on terror has done that. And what do you think they would do with a war on domestic terror? These are United States citizens. Now let me give you an example of the war on terror being used against American citizens. There's Anwar al-Awaki, right? He was, he's a United States citizen 
who had some bad views, who is considered somebody who was, you know, had terrorist ties, had terrorist instincts. That's true. But American citizens are guaranteed by the Fifth Amendment to have a trial that you are innocent until proven guilty. Like, we have due process as American citizens. And this guy is over in Yemen with his kids and his daughter and his wife living in Yemen. And he's preaching this idea that, you know, America is evil and whatever else that these people believe. So we're not going to sympathize with him by any means. He has, he has extremist views. He really does. And the Obama, Obama administration took him out with a drone. And then three weeks later, they took his 16-year-old son out with a drone. And then two years later, they took out his daughter, who was, I think she was like 15 years old or maybe, maybe younger than that, with a drone. They took out his family. He took him out, then his kids out. And he raised their family with no due process. Now, these are American citizens. They deserve the right because... Yes, they have unpopular views, extremely unpopular views. They most likely hated America. I don't know. I haven't read everything about the guy. But it's an American citizen that was assassinated by the government without due process, with no proof shown to a court of law that what they said about him was the truth. It could have all been a lie. It could all be propaganda that we read about him in a negative light. I don't know. Because a lot of it probably is propaganda that you read about this guy. But a lot of it might be true. They might be telling 100% of the truth. Or they might be spinning it in a way that it's 60% truth. Who knows? But this guy is an American citizen. Now, there's been several instances where an American citizen was assassinated overseas for having unpopular views. Anti-American views. Anti-American views. Let's say that word anti-American views. Yet, what is anti-American views? That's a very subjective term at this point, right? Because the people that went into the Capitol are considered domestic terrorists. They have anti-American views. You know what? One of them was holding a rebel flag. You have the freedom of speech to hold a rebel flag, but that's an anti-American view. If you really want to dig into it. That person might be holding it for Southern pride. He might be holding because he's an extreme racist. Who knows? Like, there's different reasons why different people have certain things in their lives, you know? I don't know what that person's intention was, but you can make the case that that person has anti-American views. You can make the case that a lot of the people had anti-American views because they are not for the current government of the United States. They don't like Joe Biden or whatever. But are those freedom of speech issues? Do you have the right to have an unpopular opinion? Do you have the right to have an unpopular view? Or can you take the war on domestic terror and associate it with those people? Now, this is getting really extreme in some ways. I can say that most likely the war on domestic terror 
if something like that was passed through Congress, and if they decided to go ahead and go, go through with it, it'll be used, you know, surgically at first. It will be. Just like surgically they were going to go in and get Osama bin Laden. Surgically they were going to go in after his, you know, couple hundred followers and a couple thousand elsewhere. But then it gets expanded and expanded and expanded until they're assassinating U.S. citizens who have anti-American views. I don't sympathize with the guy. I don't. But I don't think that our, our government should have the right to assassinate a U.S. citizen for having unpopular views or anti-American views without due process. You need to be able to, you need to, be able to claim to sit in front of a you know, trial by jury. War on terror. They take you to Guantanamo, Guantanamo, Guantanamo Bay. Sorry. I speak too fast sometimes. <laughs> they take you there and they take you to Cuba and they put you into a room and waterboard you. Maybe they don't do it anymore, but they did. It just expanded to that. What does the war on domestic terror lead to? Do they just come and kidnap you in your house at some point and take you to a black site on American soil at this point and decide what they're going to do with you then without due process? Like, what? at what point do we say the laws are what they are, you get arrested for what you do, not for what you think or thought crimes? That's what the war on domestic terror leads to. Now... Maybe they just set up a couple departments within the FBI and the CIA to kind of keep an eye on these white supremacist groups or a couple of these other extremist groups. Maybe that's all they do at first. But what about 20 years from now? What about 50 years from now? The, the government grows. The, they expand the interpretation of all laws over time. That's what they do. So what do our grandkids or our great-grandkids get in, like, be in a situation having to deal with this war on domestic terror that doesn't have a definition, that has no end. The war on drugs has no end. Look at the war on drugs. It's gone completely haywire. It's, bon- it's, it's insane. The f- and it hasn't helped at all to get drugs off the street. Nothing at all. Yet we have a war on drugs. How successful has that been? And now they want to have a war on domestic terror. How long is that war going to last? When does that end? When do people stop having anti-government views? When do people stop singing or start singing Kumbaya and everyone agrees in unity that Joe Biden is the greatest person in the world? When do they stop talking about how bad the Democrats are or how bad the Republicans are or how intrusive our government is or how unintrusive our government is and it needs to do more? At what point... Does that person not become an extremist that they need to target? And I'm not saying that's going to happen today or tomorrow. I'm not. I'm not even saying it's going to happen in 10 years. But we got, I think on the long term, I think we need to limit government over the long term. Because the long term effects of a overburdensome government is a social security system that's going to become bankrupt 
that started 85, 90 years ago, and that social security system becomes bankrupt, but you have millions of retirees dependent upon it. That's the long term that I'm talking about. If these people in 1930s were talking long term, they probably wouldn't have passed a social security law or rules or whatever it is. They would have figured out some other thing or they would have left people alone to save for themselves. And that's what we need to think about. It's not tomorrow. But the war on domestic terror, that scares the crap out of me, guys. And what if you become labeled as a domestic terrorist because you speak out against things that you think are wrong in the government? Oh, Martin Luther King could have been considered a domestic terrorist because he was speaking out against the current government that he lived under at that time. Would he have been considered anti-American? Oh, you hate the American way of life. Look at you. You want to get rid of Jim Crow laws. There's a lot of people throughout history that were spewing quote-unquote anti-American views. Now, obviously, if you're speaking things that are racist and sexist and bigoted and all that crap, then you're, you're, a, you're a dipshit and a bad person or whatever, you know? Like, I wouldn't want to hang out with you if you were walking around with a Nazi flag. Like, that's not someone I want to hang out with. What a, what a joke, right? What an idiot. And most people think that. 99.999% of Americans think that. I guarantee it. But that person has the right to do it. Or that person has the right to say what they want to say or think what they want to think. I'm not going to condemn them. Well, hold on. I will condemn their thoughts, but I'm not going to ask the government to go after them by any means. Yet, that's what they're going to. That's what they would try to do. They go after the, the the most hated first, obviously, and then they go after the next group, and then the next group, and it never stops. But that's not that's not today, and that's not tomorrow. T- today they go after the Nazis, and then next month or next year or ten years from now they go after somebody else. And those Nazis don't go away. They don't. They go underground. That's what they do. So anyway, that's the main thing I want to talk about during this episode, guys. I also wanted to pose a question, okay? January 6th, the insurrection. That's what they call it on the news, right? I wanted to pose this question because I was thinking about this. What if those people who invaded the Congress, what if they were able to hogtie all the Democrats and the bad Republicans and the ones that were against Donald Trump? What if they were able to overthrow the government at that time and stop the vote? And this is what I want to ask. Would Donald Trump have been on their side? I'm curious what y'all think about that. I am. My thought is that he probably would have been on their side. He probably would have said, yeah, this this damn election was a hoax and a fraud and all that crap. And I'm declaring myself president and those people are bad. I, I mean, that's my assumption. I don't know if the entire system would have went along with that. But what if those people won? Or what if those people did succeed in, in whatever the... Whatever the press says they were trying to do. Now, I doubt that those people's intention, honestly, 
90% of the people that actually went into the Capitol building, 90% of them had no intention to do anything bad. They just wanted to get crap on videotape. There was probably a small group of people in there that had some bad intentions. Maybe they wanted to take over the government or whatever. I don't think that there was... Most of those people were probably part of the crowd, part of the mob. When there's a mob reaction to something, things happen, right? People get excited and they just go and they follow in the crowd. That's probably what some of those people did, most likely. And that was some that did. But what if they would have succeeded? That's all I wanted to ask. Think about that for a little while. Would Donald Trump have done it? And would you agree with him doing it? Because I don't think that I would have agreed with him doing it. I don't think I would agree with anybody doing it. I think that we have a system that I'm not very happy with. I'm a libertarian. I think that the government does way too much. But I definitely don't want somebody that would be in a situation where they would um, kind of do a do a you know a dictatorial thing like that. And I don't. I just I just considered that, and I was like, I think Donald Trump probably because he's so you know boastful. He's so full of himself. He's so confident. He's all those things, right? That I think that he might have. But I just wonder what y'all think. If you want to, you know, message me through Facebook on the I Am The Empire page on Facebook, you can. Let me know what you think. I'd just love to hear your thoughts on that because I haven't bounced this idea off anybody else. I was just kind of thinking about it. And uh, that was my conclusion. So, uh, but you guys know how I felt about Trump. Like, I think he did some good things. I think he was did a lot of bad things, you know? Some good things, some bad things. Like, that's just the way every politician is. Um, I think that was fun. It was a funny four years where everyone was freaked out and pissed off at the guy and all that stuff. And they thought that he was really going to try to be a dictator. And then all of a sudden, he leaves. So I think that's kind of funny as well. Um, and now these people are all worked up over the guy. So whatever. But anyway, guys, I appreciate you joining me. Another uh, half hour for you for the week. Uh, come on back next week. And I'll go ahead and put together another show for you. Thank you for coming and listening, though. And uh, keep on coming back so you can have a clear vision for 2021.